Praise the Lord. If you would turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. And this is from the NIV. It says, We who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through through the endurance that's taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide that we might have hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, Lord. Anoint your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that you speak it through me, and, and Lord, I just pray that I be hidden, Lord God, and that your voice and your words would be uh, like a revelation to your people, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It talks about we who are strong. And I don't think um, anybody who has any uh, bit of you humility would say, that's me. That's I'm the one that they're talking about that's strong there. But the fact is there are some who are strong in their faith and there are some who are weak in their faith. And as we look at this scripture, it says those who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not try to please themselves. And so the Bible is talking about two different kinds of people here, right? It's talking about the strong taking care of those who are weak in their faith. How many have ever been weak in your faith? Just think about times in your life where your faith was weak. And one thing you would immediately... (laughs) Yes, say hi to Kristen back there. Say hi to her. I love Kristen. (laughs) Um, It talks about those who are strong helping those who are weak. And some of us... No times we've been weak in our lives. In fact, a lot of you will go back to the time you were in your spiritual infancy. Like when you were, you just believed, you just gave your heart to the Lord, and you may have thought you were really strong, but really you were probably weak in your faith. And weak in your faith would be defined as something can happen to that precious faith where you could actually... Um, Stop following the Lord or slow down in your ability to follow the Lord or, or back off a little bit of that profession of faith or completely turn your back on the faith that you originally possessed. How many know that can happen? It's called apostasy in the Bible. So the title of my sermon is Maintaining the Maintenance of Your Faith. The Maintenance of Your Faith is what the title of my sermon is. Now, how many know there are a lot of things in life that need maintenance? And so there are some people that literally will buy a car and they won't realize that. How many think that's true? They'll buy the car and they'll, they'll know that gasoline needs to be put in that car. But oil, isn't that kind of optional? 
And so you'll, you'll, you'll actually see people that will go for a long period of time, never check the oil, never top the oil off, never get the oil changed. And at some point real early, they realize that it needs to be maintained. There's certain maintenance things that have to be done to a car. Um, and there are lots of systems that are in that car. And each system is dependent on other systems. So if your coolant is not maintained properly and your car begins to overheat, how many know that's going to affect every system in that engine? And so when you make a profession of faith, there are all kinds of systems that need to be maintained. In fact, uh, there's a real big argument, and um, I think the biblical scholars like to argue a lot, you know, a lot of people that um, really... Uh, consider themselves high-minded a lot of times, just like to have an argument, period. But some of them are very um, very good arguments, you know, very important arguments. And one is the argument between easy beliefism and lordship salvation. And you'll see this argument played out, and here's the, the, the crux of the argument is this. Easy beliefism says that if you confess your sins... Raise your hand, say a sinner's prayer, you're saved. All right, move on to the next thing. Now here's the thing. We believe this. We believe that if a person sincerely repents, accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life, that it really is that easy. So Christ has made it simple. He's made it easy. He's made it uh, so we have an ability to... Basically, just open our heart to the Lord, and God can begin to transform us. But what easy beliefism is in a lot of churches is, if we can get you to sign this card, or if we can get you to say this magical prayer, or if we can get you just to say these words, and it really started to cause problems. Uh, In fact, they started to notice in some of the crusades. You know, for instance, Billy Graham's crusades, they really... Uh, Billy Graham was heartbroken over it, that so many people gave their heart to the Lord, but a lot of them weren't being retained in churches. That they accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life in a prayer, but they never really followed that up with a life. And so that's where lordship salvation comes in. And a lot of people will tell you, yeah, it's that easy to, to believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and say the prayer but there's a whole lot of follow-up after that prayer. In fact, the, uh, the Bible gives us two ordinances that we practice in our church and are practiced um, throughout the world. And one is, um, because of salvation, there's water baptism. And then after water baptism, there is communion. And the water baptism symbolizes that lordship for salvation prayer that says, I'm turning my life around, I'm bearing the old man, and I'm rising up in the resurrection of life. And communion is that regular acknowledgement that there is a maintenance system in my life when it comes to repentance. In fact, it says examine yourself. When you come together, examine yourself, and uh, don't drink this unless you've examined yourself and you're in the faith. And so basically, that's a maintenance system. So it says here that the strong, 
they ought to be there to bear the burden of the weak. And how many know that's true, that we should be very cautious if we're strong in the Lord, we should put a lot of attention into those who are weak in their faith. And so the Bible is very clear to put resources, time, energy into those who are weak in their faith. But then the Bible also also mentions brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin. Those of you who are living by the Spirit should restore the person gently, but be careful so that you will not be tempted also. Carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. So there are other times in your walk you may become strong in the Lord, but something happens to you that trips you up, and at that moment you're weak and you need a lot of help. How many know that's true? So there are times that we need lots of attention. There's a time that we need the strong to be there for the weak, but then the Bible goes a step further. The Bible, at the same time that it teaches the strong is there for the weak, also teaches that the weak need to become strong. The weak need to become strong. In fact, listen to this. It says, do, this is Galatians 6, 4, and 5. After he talks about the, the brother that needs help in Galatians 6, 1, then he says, do your own work well. And then you will have something to be proud of. But don't compare yourself with others. We must carry our own load. I mean, no, there's a responsibility for us to begin to grow from weak to strong. Praise the Lord. God wants us to grow. And this is what's lost in easy beliefism and lordship salvation. Lordship salvation means all systems are being maintained well. Lordship salvation means that I regularly, in fact, I love it when during a worship service I see people up here just pouring out before the Lord and people in their seats pouring out before the Lord. Because every time we meet together, there are systems that need to be restored. There are systems that need to function properly. In fact, if you walk in here and use the terminology of an automobile, and you're just not filling your coolant, and and the system overheats, you basically are probably going to lose your engine. Same thing with the oil. If you don't maintain the oil, you're probably going to lose your system. Okay, it's probably going to cause your entire engine to burn up. It's the same thing when you maintain your relationship with the Lord. How many know that some people in easy beliefism will say, yeah, I gave my heart to the Lord. I repented of all my sins, and they maybe have never repented another day in the rest of their life. Easy beliefism. So simple. You say, well, man, do I have to get baptized with water every time I sin? No. In fact, the Bible says it's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. In First Peter, it says not the water that actually does anything. The water is just a symbol to tell everybody what's happened in here. But the Bible does say that we should regularly confess our sins. The Bible does say regularly that there should be something built in 
our relationship where we really have sorrow for our sin. Where we actually come before the Lord and say, Lord, this system is working properly. This is a part of my walk with the Lord that's working properly. In fact, that gas tank, man, if you fill that gas tank up one time and never fill it up again, everybody understands this. This is the most simple system, right? Put it in, I go. Empty, I don't. But you know what? We don't do that spiritually. We don't stay full of the Holy Spirit. We don't have anything built in our system that is maintaining our walk with the Lord. We've got to be, the Bible says we need to be regularly filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, I did it once. I'm good. Well, how far is that tank going to take you? And so I'm talking about maintaining systems to make you strong. And so God really goes out of his way to make sure, he says, um, he said we should look at our own work well, that we have something to be proud of, don't compare yourself with others, carry our own load. In fact, we'll be held accountable for our actions. Romans says, so then each of us will give our account of ourselves to God. I mean, you know that. No, I'm not doing that. My pastor will give an account to God. Or the strong brothers and sisters in the church will give an account to God. And see, it doesn't work that way. You say, man, I want to stay weak. I want to stay. And here's what happens when your systems aren't being maintained and aren't um, growing in the Lord. You sin. And and nowhere does it say that we're going to be living a perfect life because of an acceptable profession of faith or repentance. It says that there are going to be times that we're going to do our best and we're going to fail. And so when I fail, if my faith is weak or my understanding is weak, what's going to happen to that system? That system is going to begin to collapse in my walk. I'm going, to be, I'm going to begin to deal with guilt the wrong way. You say, well, you're going to be tore up about it. Maybe not. Maybe I'm the other extreme. Maybe I fail so much and it doesn't bother me that much. And then I just, what the Bible calls licentiousness, means I feel like I have a license to sin. I never feel bad about it. I never do anything about it. I never uh, deal with the guilt of it. Or you go the other way. You say, oh man, it tears me apart. I fully expected to be perfect. I fully expected to never have a problem, but here I am right in the middle of failure. I've let my Lord down and you're condemned all the time. And what you have is a system that's not functioning right. It's not maintaining itself properly in the Word of God. And so that system runs the risk of really damaging your faith. I mean, no people that have been damaged by legalism or condemnation or have been damaged because they've been told, you can just do whatever you want. You know, there's no need for holiness whatsoever, even though the Bible says you won't, we won't see God without it. And so these systems not being maintained causes a person to, to remain weak. And what God wants us to do is to be strong. 
There's no shame in being weak because we have all been weak, right? We acknowledge that earlier. This isn't a message that says, don't be weak. Don't you dare show weakness. Don't you dare. It's not that message. Don't take it as that message. There are times you're weak. There are times when you're strong and you become weak because of certain circumstances. And then there's just times you remain weak. And that's what this message is about. Remaining there. In fact, God gave me three developmental stages that we need to really be aware of. One is uh, being a dependent. Being a dependent. Now, I want you to begin to think about what a dependent is. A dependent is someone, in fact, the, the, the best example that comes to mind is a baby. Okay, a baby comes into this world and... Man, something smells funny in this room. You immediately look for the baby, right? Somebody thought somebody thought they got caught there, didn't they? But let's say something smells funny in the room. Well, you know it's got to be the baby. So you grab that baby, got to change his diaper. It's time for him to eat. Oh, man, somebody go feed the baby. Time for him to get something to drink. Go give the baby some milk. Baby has a problem with his teeth. Take care of the problem with the teeth. And see, what ends up happening is the baby takes up all your resources. And that's perfectly fine because we want to take care of the baby. The baby is vulnerable. The baby um, has reasons why it needs to be cared for. And it's a joy to take care of a baby and see him begin to grow. But the problem is, when your 32-year-old baby hasn't matured, and he should, but he's playing video games in your basement, and rather than maturing, he wants to stay dependent because he doesn't want to grow up. And so sometimes, Paul begins to address this. In fact, Paul says... But I, brothers, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 4. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. Now stop right there. Chad's clearly talking about people who don't know the word as well as I do. People that don't know the ways of church the way I do. They don't, they don't exactly know how to raise your hands like I do. They don't exactly know how to dance like I do. They don't exactly know the Old Testament and the New Testament like I do. He doesn't say that. He said they're still in the flesh. ones he's talking about, even now you are not ready because you are still in the flesh. They were doing fleshly things, which is what made them infants and why Paul couldn't move forward and do something great there. And he says, for while there is still jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So he's giving more information. If you behave in a human way, 
if you're fleshly in your behavior, if you're still doing all these fleshly things when I see you, then you're clearly not growing up in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-4. through 4. And I'm reading from the English Standard. I've got about five different versions I have here. <clears throat> it says... For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, and another, um, are you not being merely human, fleshly? They're actually theologically following certain people. No, I follow Paul, I, Paul, I follow Apollos. One says, I follow Jesus. And they're having all these different arguments, and he's saying that's proof that you're still babies in Christ. Because of the fact they didn't have unity and they had divisions, how many know if you take a group of children on a hike, you're going to have a lot of divisions? It's one of the signs of immaturity that we can't have a simple goal to accomplish without there being disunity and division. And you say, well, it's got to be something major. No, it doesn't. It just has to be the simple inability to reach goals. And if you have a group of mature Navy SEALs, you should be able to reach your goal. You have one mission, one mission only. Let's accomplish it. Let's get back home. If you have a group of school children, that mission can be very clouded. We've got one mission, kids. All right. Five minutes later, you're driving the car. What was the mission again? Five minutes later, what was the mission again? Church, we have a mission. And we spend so much time babysitting. Don't get me wrong. There's a certain segment of the population that we want to do that. We want to mature people who aren't mature. That is a joy to do. But we also want to accomplish goals and we want to have a church full of strong people that don't have division, that can reach a mission. And the early church reached a mission. Corinth didn't do so well. Corinth uh, considered themselves the most spiritual church. They had a lot of excesses. They had a lot of things that you couldn't get them to focus on a mission. He comes back in 2 Corinthians 12.20 and says this. This is the church that he said was basically children. He comes back and he says, For I hear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish. Doesn't that sound like a dad that's saying, When I come home from the store, there's a good chance the house is going to be destroyed. He's addressing them still like they're children because they can't quit with the fleshly behavior. So it says, I fear perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. (laughs) I like that as a dad. You may find me not as you wish. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of their impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality, 
that they have practiced. You see what's happening here. He's saying because of their immaturity and their weakness in their faith profession. You say, but isn't it just one-time profession? No, you follow it up and you become mature in your faith. If you're not mature in your faith, sometimes that's okay because I just gave my heart to the Lord. I'm a new convert. Then you go another year and it's like, it's still okay. You're still new and and there's lots of things that are going to sidetrack you. But here's what happens. Sometimes we'll go 15 or 20 years and I'm still getting sidetracked by guilt. When we need to understand what the Bible says about condemnation. We need to understand what the Bible says about licentiousness. God's people are so um, susceptible to extremes. They hear one preacher on TV that says, you can do anything you want, and they become susceptible to licentiousness. Just remember, licentiousness is an old King James word. It just means license. I believe that I have a license to sin. I can do it and there will be no problem. And so we can listen to a TV preacher or we can listen to somebody's podcast who has a lot of people at their church and we'll say, man, I can just do whatever I want. I don't feel bad at all, no guilt, no shame. And we don't address it because of that. Then we'll listen to another preacher and we'll go to the other extreme and you'll be so condemned you can't even walk around and live your life and you'll feel like you have to get baptized again. Do you understand, church? God wants us to be strong. God wants us to not depend on other people to right the ship. If I'm going to my brother and my sister and the Lord constantly because I'm weak, that's okay. But there needs to come a certain point where every time I need to fill my oil up, I don't go to the mechanic. There comes a time when I have to have a relationship with the Lord that's strong and the enemy can't touch me and the enemy can't get to my spirit. The enemy sees that I have equipment on. The enemy sees that I have the equipment that it, the, the Bible talks in Ephesians. You have a helmet on, you have a breastplate on, you have a, a sword, you have a shield, you have things uh, around your legs. The, the, God wants God's people to begin to be strong in the Lord. Not strong in your brother and strong in your sister and strong in your pastor. God wants us to be strong in the Lord. God wants us to be a low-maintenance system. God wants us to be a system that, man, oil's low. I just checked my oil for the first time in my life, and it's low. Now I'm going to put some oil in it. You know, my water level's low. I'm going to put a little coolant in there. Be careful. (laughs) Things can go wrong there. (laughs) But God is looking to raise up people that are strong in the Lord. The second area that we go to, we go from dependence to independent. Independent, you say, finally, I've arrived. Finally, I'm arrived, man. All systems are go. And look at me. I'm independent in the Lord. I don't need my brothers and my sisters anymore. I study the word on my own. I love what pastor gives me, but man, I'm getting more and more dependent on God and independent of other people to do this. There's a danger here. 
You're kind of like that 18-year-old. You know, he's independent now. He knows what he thinks. He knows what he believes. I don't need anybody anymore. And all of a sudden, he's independent. He's not a real great value to the home, though. Let me know that. He's a value to himself. He's a value to his ambitions. He's a value to learning to live his life, not being dependent on other people, which is an important step of life. How many know that to be true? But he's not always a great value to the family because he's so independent. And then there's a third level. We become a caretaker. We take care of people. You become a father. You become a mother. You become somebody that cares about your mom. Cares about your brothers and your sisters. And no longer is it just about me. In fact, there's a period of your life where you'll go through, and rightfully so, every time you study the Bible, it'll be about you. It'll be about how do I keep my systems functioning in grace? How do I keep my systems functioning in love? How do I maintain a system that has peace? But then there comes a point where, man, all you want to do is help other people. All you want to do is reach other people and care for them. All you want to do is pour into a church. Listen here. Pour into a church because I want to harness my strength with everybody else's strength and I want to take care of other people. I want to minister to other people. I want to pour my life into other people. I want other people to know the Word of God. I want other people to hear the good news. I want other people to grow in the Lord. And suddenly it no longer is about you. In fact, I can tell you this. I began pouring myself into the system's of grace and love and mercy and just growing in the Lord. And and I'll be honest, most of the time I'm studying the Word, it's for me, but my mind is almost always thinking about all the other people that that might might need that. It's like, man, that's good. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to write this down and save it. I'm going to write that down and save it. I might be able to give that to somebody today. I might be able to let somebody know that today. I might be able to share that with somebody. And something happens in your development and you go... From weak, where I may not survive, I'm kind of susceptible here in my faith, to independent, I'm pretty strong in my faith, to really strong in your faith. I want to pour it out to other people. I've got some scriptures here. I should have read them along the way. In fact, uh, here's the opposite of the church of Corinth. Corinth had a lot of issues. I mean, you know that Corinth had issues. And when I read about Corinth... It makes me think to myself, dear God, don't let me be like that. Don't let me be the one that when he comes back, might find me acting like a child, right? Don't let me be the one when he comes back, finds me doing immoral things because I'm just a child in my thinking. I'm not mature in my faith. But the church at Philippi in Philippians 1, 3 to 7, they were different. Remember the other one was like, when I come back... I don't want to find you like kids messing up the house, basically. 
Philippians, he says this, Philippians 1, 3 to 7, I thank my God in, in all of my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, you are all making my prayer with... Thank you for... Oh, hold on. I totally messed that up. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of my, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you hear that? The difference with this group of people? It was a partnership since day one. The other group, I may come back and you're not going to like me and I might, you're not going to like what I think about it and I'm not going to like what you're doing. This group of those said, you've been a partner since day one and I am sure of this, that he began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers of me with me of grace, both to my, uh, in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is a totally different mentality. These people were pouring out in his imprisonment. They were helping him preach the gospel, help defend the gospel. They were always there ready to do the work of the gospel. Whereas the church of Corinth, they were always ready for him to come and take care of a problem. How many see that? He was always coming back to Corinth. In fact, he was going to go to another city and preach, but he had to put that aside because he had to go back to Corinth and take care of their problems. And God wants us to be a people that are constantly in his presence, constantly doing his work, constantly pouring out to other people. Honestly, we shouldn't even have time to be having interpersonal problems with everybody in the world. If you've got enough time to send and have interpersonal problems online all day long, you have too much time. Just being honest. So Paul compliments the church at uh, the Philippian church. God wants us to become, listen to this, providers and not recipients. Now, there'll be a time in your Christian walk, you will always be a recipient. But eventually, you'll become a provider. Let me know the difference. A child is a recipient. A parent is a provider. A child is a recipient. A parent is a provider. In fact, at some point, you will become, listen to this, producers and not consumers. If you have a church full of consumers, your producers are going to be worn out. If you have a church of producers and a small group of consumers, they're going to get fat really quick. (laughs) Okay? Spiritually speaking, of course. But if we have a church full of producers, I'm sorry, everybody fell asleep on me there. You have a church full of producers, people that are have that heart to take care of people, heart to pour into people. You're going to have people come into this church that are going to be poured into by everybody they meet here. And we're going to be constantly finding new ways to pour out to those people that are ready to consume. How many know there's a whole world that's ready to consume of this word and this life 
and this uh, Lord that we love, but we're so busy feeding consumers in the church that we're not producing enough to feed the consumers that are coming in. And I want to see them. I want to see them so well fed when they walk into this place. I want people that are excited about doing the work of the ministry, people that are excited about producing things for people to consume for God. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now. Lord, as a pastor, I do have a concern, Lord. With the easy prayer and the easy life and the refusal to grow, Lord, I just pray that you would quicken this church, Lord. This church hasn't been that. And Lord, I just pray that your hand would be upon us, that we would never be that, Lord. Lord, that when we say that profession of faith, when we profess Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life, Lord, that we meant it, Lord. Lord, I just pray that um, there would be growth in this church, Lord, in every area. Areas of faith, areas of repentance. Lord, areas of receiving your word, Lord God, areas of staying full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be producers, Lord God, that we would be caretakers, Lord God, that we'd be those who pour out like you did, Lord. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall upon this place, Lord God. Lord, there'd be a hunger for your presence, Lord God, not a... um, begging of people to go to the altar but a hunger for your presence there's a difference Lord Lord only you can do the work in the hearts Lord do it Lord in your name I pray hallelujah church we've got a great opportunity we have an assembled worship team We have a God who loves praises and inhabits our praises. If there are things in your life, quit depending on me. Find a place at the altar. I shouldn't have to beg people to go to the altar. You say, well, wait a minute. I I got salvation 30 years ago. I don't need to pray that prayer. Then I guess you've been perfect for 30 years. Because I haven't. Every time I walk into church, you know, I feel worthy because of him. And I don't feel worthy. But he makes me worthy. Let me know that's true. He makes me worthy because in myself, without Him, I'm not. So every time we walk into this church, we should be getting right with God. And God, I love you. I appreciate your forgiveness. I appreciate your love. God, I'm totally committed 100% to your Lordship in my life. I want to understand you, Lord. I want to know you. I want to get deeper. I want to be full of your Holy Spirit because I can't accomplish what you want me to accomplish this week without your spirit in my life. Yes, Lord. If that's at your seat, that's at the altar, I'm not the police here. Find a place to worship God. Find a place to draw in. Find a place to acknowledge His Lordship in your life. Grow. Grow.